Welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Trinity Church. It's good to see you. My name is Matthew Rowland. We want to welcome you again. Thank you for choosing to be with us today. Uh, As we get started, I just felt like I had a word for Arnold and Connie. I just want to encourage you guys. You know, these two have been at our church for a very long time, and we've done some life together, haven't we? I just really saw clearly as your kids were up here dedicating their little one to the Lord, I just saw, saw the foundation for a season was shaky, you know? shaky for a season, but you guys have made it stable and flat. And when you got a firm foundation, you can build something. Your kids are meant to go beyond what you have achieved and arrived at in life. And you just keep, just keep doing the, the, the fundamentals, keep that foundation firm, and you'll see how high your kids can go because of what you guys have created and what you've done to make a firm foundation for them, okay? So keep at it. We're proud of you guys. Keep going for it, all right? Yeah, yeah. Good morning, everyone. I want to introduce you to another friend of mine. This is Leilani Vasquez. She is five years old, and she is our family's Operation Christmas Angel. We're going to be going and spending probably $30 in 30 minutes making sure she gets an awesome bag full of goodies for Christmas. Maybe we'll spend a little bit more than that. We'll see. But we're going to bring hope to Leilani right. in a couple of weeks at the Christmas party with YWAM Dallas. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. There's, as Monica mentioned, there's 60 kiddos remaining to be picked up on the patio. This is a super easy way for us to bring hope to those who might not otherwise be able to enjoy it, okay? So please stop by and pick up your Christmas angel before you leave the service today. Can we pray for the message? Father, we thank you for your presence that's already moving among us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what only you can do, guiding us into truth and righteousness and convicting us of sin. We welcome you. We honor you. We want you to guide us in this time. And I pray for myself and everyone in the room to give us something, one truth, one bit of revelation, something we can take and apply to our faith and grow as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as a result of being here today, both in person and online. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I also want to say hi to my daughter and son in Israel. I think they're watching right now. I love you. Miss you. Hope to see you by Christmas time. Uh, today, the title of our message is Hope. The title of the message is Hope. The subtitle is this. If you're writing it down, it's When You Hope Upon The Star. When You Hope Upon The Star. You know, the second to last thing that Jesus said of himself in the Bible was that he is the bright and morning star. He's the bright and morning star. Who, who can tell me what the last thing is that Jesus said in the scriptures? What's the last thing he said in Revelation? Second to last verse in the Bible. Anybody know? I know Ken Allen knows. Ken, what's the last thing that Jesus said in Revelation? Brandy got it before you. She just beat you to the punch. Brandy McDonald, our small groups director. Say it again real loud, Brandy. What's the last thing that Jesus said? I'm coming again. I'm coming soon. I'm coming again. He's floating up in the heaven. And he's like, he may be waving, but he's coming back in the same way that he went up. He said he's coming again. He's the bright and morning star. And this is one of many promises that we read in the scriptures that give us hope. Today's big idea is this, that the promises of God made available through what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. What Jesus did make it possible to fill us with eternal hope. Humans need hope. 
We need hope, and hope is not a wish. It's not wishful thinking. God gives us something way better than that. And in fact, hope is God's strategy, one of his many strategies. But hope is a strategy that he employs. So today, I put my coat on. I told myself I'm gonna wear a coat the next couple weeks because it's Advent season. It's Advent season. I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm just, it's like, it's like a prophetic action to myself to remind me what's happening over the next several weeks. This is Advent. This is Advent season. Advent means approach, arrival, coming. We're recognizing and celebrating Jesus' arrival. This is a season of preparation, of anticipation, of celebration, not for all the presents we're about to get, but because Jesus has come is with us now and will come again. A couple weeks ago, we had our small group out to our house and it's always a little bit nerve wracking, but we were excited and getting ready and I was mowing and edging. My son was helping, blowing off the walks. I could see my wife inside just cleaning off some windows and we ordered some food and we got some extra tables set up because our friends were coming over. Also, our small group was coming to the house. We wanted to make sure our, our home was warm, welcoming, friendly, and ready to receive all the guests. We did the same thing here at church. We're celebrating the arrival of Jesus. So we, we decorate to a whole nother level. We turn the lights on a little earlier. We play special music all in anticipation of Jesus. And over the next four weeks, we're gonna be meditating and prayerfully considering four facets, four aspects of Advent. Can I tell you what those are? The first one is hope. That's what I'm gonna be preaching on today. The first one is hope. And each Sunday, we're gonna be lighting a candle that reminds us of the aspect of Advent that we're gonna be talking about. So the first candle is hope. It's also known as the prophecy candle. The second candle that we'll light next week will be, I just remind myself, this is going to be the peace candle or the Bethlehem candle. Then the third candle we light is the joy candle, the pink one. And lastly, we light the love candle on Christmas Eve, along with the white candle that represents Jesus, the light of the world coming to the world. So I wanna take a moment here and light the, the first candle, the candle of hope, the prophecy candle. Thank you to our amazing team, Fit Team, that gets all these things ready. And I wanna ask the question, why do we have hope? Why do we have hope? Well, first of all, we, we receive hope because of the prophecies in Scripture. Another reason why we have hope is all the promises in the Word of God. This candle, the prophecy candle, harkens back to the prophecies of Isaiah. We read them in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel which means God is with us. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. That's everyone born into the earth. Everyone is walking in the shadow of death until Jesus arrives. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a great light has dawned. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Whew, that's good news. No more parties, no more affiliations, no more voting. Jesus is going to take care of all the government issues. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. 
And he, Jesus, will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forevermore. And that is great news. These prophecies concerning the Messiah fill God's people with hope then and they do still today with expectation, anticipation, and with hope. You know, Peter, in one of his letters, he described the prophets searching through the scriptures intently, reading over and over, trying to decipher and discern and figure out when that Messiah would come. Peter even says that you almost get this picture that angels long to look into these things as if the angels were looking over the prophet's shoulders as they scrubbed the, the, the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, trying to figure out, when. now when is this Messiah coming? Because the angels didn't know, but they were eagerly anticipating as well. Even unbelievers, the magi, wise people, wise guys out in the east somewhere, they read these same scriptures in Isaiah and they deduced that looking at the stars in the heavens that this Messiah was gonna be born in Bethlehem and he would be born at this time. And so they packed up all their stuff and they went on a road trip to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why were they so interested? Why did they wanna know when he was coming? Why did they wanna know the circumstances? Well, because the world around them was broken. They got it. They were smart enough to see and understand that. The world around them was broken. They were living under the shadow of death, is what Isaiah says. And the advent of the Messiah was a solution that they were looking for, filling all of them with hope. So in the time that we have left here today, I wanna show three different facets of hope that will hopefully give us hope, amen? Okay, the first one is this. Humans need hope. Yes. This, is a, this is a part of the fallen, broken nature the, 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 the separation from God created this gap and that gap is the hope gap. We need something to fill it. We need a promise to hang on to, to hold on to, to get us through. Adam and Eve, when they were kicked out of the garden, they were separated from God. A death sentence was written. He said, you're gonna have pain and suffering in your labor in the earth and your labor in childbirth. You will even have difficulty in your relationships. They needed hope. Ancient Israel, we saw, we see as we read the scriptures, the captivity that they went through, the slavery that they endured. Even when they got out and escaped, they had enemies all around them. They had to wander through the desert and then they finally get their promised land. And what do they do? They make a bunch of poor decisions and have to suffer the consequences of their bad actions. They needed hope. Fast forward to the dark ages, right? Mysticism, Weird thinking, deception, famine, and disease, they needed hope. The world wars of the 20th century, millions and millions of people passing away. Whether they deserved it or not, they needed hope. We need hope today. We're living in the constant threat of another global pandemic, the possibility of nuclear wars, terrorism all around, dysfunctional political systems, the cost of healthcare, education, homes, and even Christmas presents an all-time high. And in America, I just read the other day that we have the highest suicide, suicide rate that we've had going all the way back to 1941. Wow. Every generation, every nation since the beginning of time were born to suffer and die apart from God for all eternity. That's bad news. That's living in the shadow of death. Humanity needed a savior. Yeah. Humans needed a savior and we still need one today. You know who else needs hope? Uh, I read the study as I was getting ready for the message. I read about Dr. Kurt Richter and his rat experiment. Rat, rats apparently need hope. Let me tell you why. 
So he was a doctor from Harvard and a scientist with Johns Hopkins. He had this terrible idea of, what if I put rats in a bucket of water and see how long they can swim for? And his first experiment, multiple rats, they made it about 15 minutes till they started to flounder and didn't continue swimming. I'll just put it that way. His second experiment was this, same number of buckets, same number of rats, put them in the water, he watches them closely and sees, okay, at about the 15 minute mark, they start to flounder a little bit and start to, start to sink. He rescues each one, dries them off, gives them a little break, about five minutes, and he sticks them right back in the water. The second time around, they swam not just for 15 more minutes, but for 60 hours, 60 hours. That's quite a delta, right? That's a big difference. Apparently, that little bit of hope that they received kept them churning and swimming and believing that it's gonna happen again. Isn't it interesting that Jesus came once and he promised to come back again? Two times, right? Uh, I have a friend, Nick, whose mother was not very... uh, proud of me, was not very happy that I was Nick's friend. Because in high school, I was drowning. I was drowning in poor decisions and just a, not a great home situation. And my friend Nick told me, he said, my mom found out you were coming. You know what she said? She said, why is rat coming over today? Uh, my, my friend used to call me Matt. So I guess it was an easy, maybe just slip of the tongue. She wanted to know why rat was coming over to the house today. True story. But you know, you know who offered me hope, who didn't treat me that way or think of me that way? Big Al. Big Al is my best friend in high school, Jason's dad. I would spend a lot of Saturday nights at Big Al's house with my friend Jason. And then we would be drug along to church, Grace Church of Edina in Minnesota. And we'd go to church together. And afterwards, before I tried to get out and go back home, Big Al insisted I stuck around and he cooked up hamburgers on the grill almost every Sunday that I was there, even in the winter get his charcoal grill out and make hamburgers. He believed in me. He offered me hope. And when I was finally ready to get my life back on track and surrender fully to Jesus, it was at Big Al's church that I got baptized at Grace Church of Edina in Minnesota. I needed hope. Matt, rat, Matt the rat needed hope. (laughs) All of humanity needs hope. Okay, the second facet is this about hope. Hope is not luck. Hope is not a dream And hope is not a wish. Hope is none of those things. There's a new Disney movie out called Wish. Uh, What a little bit I read, it's kind of a retread of all the fantasy, wishing, imagination movies from Disney over the last 60 years, right? Uh, And really, it started all back in 1940 with the movie Pinocchio. And in it, there's a song called When You Wish Upon a Star. Can I read some more of the lyrics for you? When you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. I mean, where'd they get the authority to write that kind of stuff, right? (laughs) Fate steps in and sees you through. When you wish upon a star, your dreams come true, Pastor Joe. I call baloney. that's, That's ridiculous. I've been wishing for the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl since I was a kid myself. And many of you out there I know has not come, not come to pass yet. And I don't have a whole lot of hope that it will. No more wishing, no more dreaming, no more trying to get lucky, wearing a rabbit's foot and scratching off scratch-offs and knocking on wood. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. God gave us a clear pattern in the scripture. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying there's a lot of counterfeits out there to the hope that God insists on giving us if we'll receive it. 
Hope is this. Hope is a desire for some good in expectation that it's going to happen, that you'll obtain it. A wish feels similar. A wish is to feel or express a strong desire for something that is not easily attainable. To want something that probably won't happen, like my Vikings winning the Super Bowl. A hope and a wish are both a strong desire. A hope and a wish are outside of our control. And neither can be fulfilled with our own strength, resources, or abilities, right? There's things in your life that you know you, you want them to happen desperately, but you know you can't make it happen. So you just stay on the sidelines hoping, wishing, praying, you'll get lucky. But here's the difference between a hope and a wish. Yeah. A wish is almost never going to come to pass. Wishes leave us disappointed, disillusioned, discouraged, and filled with doubt. Yeah. But hope, godly hope, based on his promises, not based on how I feel, not based on what I want. This is kind of the, this is the, the vegetables and the, the medicine that the Christian needs to receive, right? God wants us to have hope, but not just on any random thing that we would like to see happen, okay? The hope that he wants us to have is based on the promises in his word. And the difference between a hope and a wish is that all the hopes based on God's word will happen. They will come to pass and they all will be fulfilled. Right. Thank God that hope is not a wish. We have the assurance of knowing we're going to obtain it. Okay, last facet is this. Hope is not a strategy in business, but hope is a strategy in the kingdom of God. It's a necessary component for the believer to have hope. Hope is something we need in our spiritual toolbox. Okay? Hope is like a rope. Hope is like a rope. Hope on a rope. A rope that you take and you see the promises of God out there. You read them in the scripture. You take your hope. You take your faith and you lasso it. And you grab a hold of the promise. And with faithful patience and endurance, believing God in prayer, trusting him, you reel that promise into your possession. That is what hope is like. Now, it doesn't mean every promise that God has given us in the scriptures is going to come to pass in this lifetime. God's much bigger than that. His vision is much greater than just our 60, 70, 80 years on this earth. Some of them are going to come to pass. Some of them are for the next life. There's an evangelist. His name is Nick Vujicic. Are you guys familiar with Nick? He's written several books. He travels the globe, preaches the gospel with no arms and with no legs. He's actually been to our church a couple years ago. And powerful, powerful message. He remains hopeful, believing, because the Bible talks all about healing and deliverance and his kingdom coming from heaven down to earth. So Nick is of the conviction that he's gonna be healed. He's gonna be delivered. He's gonna get his arms and his legs someday, but it might not be till the next life. But just in case, he brings shoes with him in his suitcase everywhere that he goes. He has several pairs of shoes at the house. People have given him shoes because they're standing, praying, believing, but it hasn't stopped him from fulfilling the call of God in his life. And I hope and pray that he'll get his legs back this side of heaven. But if he doesn't, I'm excited to meet him face to face and go for a nice little race in heaven with his new shoes on. All of God's promises may not come to pass this side of heaven. And as we mature as believers, it's important that we read the scriptures to understand the difference between what we really want to have happen this side of heaven and what may be waiting for us on the other side of eternity. Our hope is in the fulfillment of God's promises, not in what we really, really want to have happen, not in what we're trying and dreaming of, not what the world says is gonna happen for us. It's in his promises, in his word. Our hope comes from the fulfillment of his promises.
Where do we find his promises? Right here in his word. What is the word of God? The word of God is a person. Jesus is the word of God. Hebrews says the word of God is living and active. Why does it say that? Because Jesus is alive and active. He is a person. The word made flesh. What are some of the promises that we can stand on and hope in and believe to come to pass? Well, there's a whole book full of them. That's why it's so important that we read the word and become familiar with it. But just, just for example, the Bible assures us that we will be rescued from sin, death, hell, and the grave and a separation from God for eternity. We're gonna be rescued from that as followers of Jesus. He promised to give us eternal life. In fact, he went to go prepare a place for him. That's something that we have to look forward to. He said that he's gonna work all things together for the good of those who believe. Not for the good of those who don't believe, but for the good of those who believe. He promised to work it together. So if it's not good in your life, by God's standards, hold on. He's gonna make it come to pass. He's gonna turn it for good. Second Peter 1 verse three says, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. That's a promise. Whether it's grace to deal with your kids or wisdom to handle matters at work or resources to pay your bills, he promised to give it to us. That's one of the things that we can put our hope in and in his word. He promised to give us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to counsel us, to be with us, to encourage us, to lead us all the days of our life if we'll believe it. Let's put our hope in those promises. And he promised, I'm coming again and I'm coming soon. Now, of course, we know soon is a relative word, right? I mean, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years, but he's coming soon. Rest assured, he's coming soon. What about all the stuff I want? What about the dreams and visions I have? I'm not telling you not to have dream for something and apply God's principles and believe God for more for your family, for your home, for your future. I'm not saying that, but it needs to be rooted and grounded in the promises of scripture if we can even expect to see it come to pass. And never forget that at the end of the day, we chose to lay down our lives to follow Jesus at all costs. And look at the example we have in the apostles who laid down their lives. They didn't hold back their lives. They willingly walked to their own crosses and died in many circumstances to follow Jesus, okay? He didn't promise us this world be full of joy and happiness all our days. He said the next one is where he would wipe away every tear, every bit of sadness, restore hope and a future for all of us. So we have that to hope in. C.S. Lewis had this to say about hope. Hope is a virtue. It's a good thing. A continual looking forward to the eternal world, the next one, is not escapism. It's not escapism or wishful thinking. Well, one of the things a Christian is meant to do, we're meant to live and walk in hope. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. Throughout history, Christians who did the most for the present world are those who thought the most of the next world. Because we have a hope, we have an encouragement to look forward to. We have reason to make this world better and bring as many people with us as possible. Jeremiah had this to say about hope. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That, when I read that verse, I can't help but think of, of, of Christmas time. 
and my kids around the Christmas tree. And yeah, they might know some of the presents that they're gonna get, but there's, I always like to buy some presents that no one is expecting, that my kids don't know anything about. I, I see the heart of the father in this. Like, I wanna get them some. They're not expecting it. They're not aware. I got plans. I got things for them. They don't know really what it is. Sometimes it's a bomb, I'll be honest. But God's not like that. He knows us perfectly. The plans and the presence and the things that he has in store for you are exactly what you want every time. You just don't know when you're gonna get them. You might have to be patient and that's okay. Paul had this to say about hope. In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with a hope that comes from the Holy Spirit. So in closing, I wanna remind us that God intends to fill us with hope. His people, he wants them to be filled with hope. How does he do it? He makes us promises that he has, is, and will fulfill for us. We can trust him because of his character, because of his nature, because of his track record, because he always has been and forever will be good for all time and for all eternity. His promises are going to come to pass. And he wants our hope to overflow is what Paul is saying. He wants us to be so full of hope that we have more than we need because we are Jesus' hands and feet. He's coming again, but he's living in our hearts right now. But we are his hands and feet. We are his people on the earth to dispense hope. God gives us more than enough so that we can give hope to the world that's broken and living in that shadow of death. That's God's plan for us. He wants us to have more than enough hope so that we can bring it to others. Hope is not a wish, but it is a strategy of God for us and for the world around us. Will you all stand together with me? Ministry team, our small group leaders, ministry leaders, if you'll please come stand up at the front with us. Are you glad you came to church today? Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel encouraged? So I have a question for, for those of you who feel filled with hope. You're reminded of the truths you already know and have read in the scriptures. You're full of hope today. So my question is this, who are you gonna share that hope with? How are you gonna share it with them? There's people that you know that only you can reach. I don't know them. They're not in my servant. They're, they're in your life. They're in your world. God has called you to bring them hope. They may not be there yet. You may need to go and pick them up on the patio today. But who can you bring hope to and how are you gonna bring it to them? On December 17th, we have a Christmas party over at YOM Dallas. I'm gonna be there serving food with hope that I can bring hope to somebody else. Would you consider coming to join me for that? Who can you bring hope to during this Advent season? Will you pray and ask God to show you? And then my other question is this, if you feel like this is not even connecting for me today, I am in fact hopeless. I am living without hope. My question is, will you let us pray for you? Will you let us lay hands on you, encourage you and bless you and speak the promises of God over you? Will you let us do that today? Pastor Joe. Thank you, Pastor Matthew. You know, I think it's apropos that he's lit this first candle today, the candle of hope. So when we think about the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus brought hope into the world. And it's like this candle. We were to turn all the lights off in here. This is enough light from this candle to shine the whole room. And it is hope that's the light of the world.
It's hope that pushes back the darkness. It's hope that keeps us from sitting without purpose or hope. It's hope that is a candle in the darkness of our lives. In the darkness of creation, it's hope that brings life. It's hope that precedes the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so if you would just bow your heads, Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that that hope is a light, that it pushes back the darkness in our minds, in our spirits, in all creation. Lord, it allows us to see the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We're grateful, Lord, for the hope that you've given us in Christ. And we ask you, Lord, that this Advent season, Lord, that you would be glorified in all that we say, all that we do, all that we are. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Come on, give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them thank you for coming. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. The altar's open if you need prayer for anything this morning. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.